Well, if you have your Bible, turn with me. We'll be in two parts of Scripture today. One is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Uh, and then the other will be in where we've been in Genesis chapter 22. Um, this was the week we were going to begin our series on heaven uh, and talking about uh, the things that are before us. But our staff was talking about a week and a half ago just about what commitment looked like. As we were walking through the family dedication time and preparing for that, we were talking about what does that look like? What does it mean? Um, and, and does the potency of that moment come through? And the more we talked about it, a couple of questions really raised up in our mind is when we started thinking about what committing our family to the Lord looked like um, and Commitment Sunday, we thought, you know, first of all, does our church, how can we know, how can we see the scriptural foundation that when we commit a home to the Lord, that we are saying we commit for years to come to show those around me, these parents, their children, no matter their age, who Jesus is in every area of the life that they see me in, um, even if they catch me when I don't know they're there. The second thing we talked about is, um, what is that grounded on? Because when we know what a commitment is grounded on, it really matters. And so we were talking through that, our, our family series supposed to end last week, and we said it's just a little too perfect to end uh, a week later than anticipated. As we've looked at the life of Abraham and his wife Sarah, his son Ishmael, and, and then uh, his son Isaac. And as we've walked through that, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 today, looking about the, the time when Abraham truly committed all he had back to the Lord uh, as he brought Isaac up to the mountain in obedience to God. And so in that... Um, that's what we're going to land in today. We're going to be talking about, from a scriptural perspective, what it means when we say we commit this person, we commit this family, we commit these things to the Lord, and, and how maybe the Lord can help use his word to establish that. We know what commitment looks like. Um, if you have children of any age in the room, I will let you know this. This is kind of interesting. We know that family equals commitment. Um, if you have one child... Uh, if you were to raise them without inflation numbers involved with over the last 17 years from birth until the day they turned 18, and those are the only dollars you counted, it's about $233,000 is how much one kid costs you, right? Now, if that was more than your first house, would you raise your hand with me today? Kids, we love you that much, right? Now, here's the funny thing. If you have two kids, the second kid only costs $70,000 more. So it's kind of like a deal. If you stopped at one, you took a hit. Now catch this, for every kid after that, for three and four, it's only about $50,000 per kid. So if you really want to like milk the system, you need to have like 30 kids for Jesus. That's like the best bang for your dollar is kind of what it would show. But we know when we commit to have a family, that, that means sacrifice. That, that means there are certain things that we all on the front end, we're going to have to give up everything from finances to sleep to fill in the blank. We know with our kids, the older they get, it doesn't become easier necessarily. Um, I looked at and looked, uh, the average child in an American home spends 12 hours a week uh, in sports. Mom and dad, that means you have an average of 12 hours of jumping around back and forth in that. And we, we know what that looks like. It, it didn't include fine arts and things like that, but I would tell you in all these activities, we spend about that much time, we know what commitment looks like. Now, just because I know some of you are wondering, this isn't where we're going with the sermon, but it provides a decent foundation for it. Do you know the average child in America spends 45 minutes a week around church or 
the Bible or Bible studies like that. About 45 minutes a week is on average how much a child will spend in their life uh, around intentional things of God. And, and when, I, when I went through all of that as I was talking with our team, I, I, I don't think that the, the reprimand of, hey, you know, we need to beat everyone into submission on this thing comes into it. But there's a deeper question that says, Lord, how can I establish a, a witness, a commitment to my family where Jesus saturates every part of their life so that they know when they go to school, they need to be worshiping God in the way that they, they live, act, and speak to others. When they go out with their friends, they need to be worshiping God in the way that they think when we go around and that is different than gathering together with the people of God to worship but scripture really flows through it that church that relationship with Jesus Christ is not just about a couple of hours or three hours a week or something along those lines but committing our family to the Lord it really is grounded with how can we stand firm on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ every moment every second hour every minute of the day I started writing down. I think the most important thing is for me were these questions. How can I lead my family to be a living commitment to Christ Jesus? A living commitment, not no sundown to sun up just all the time. How can I live my family? How can I lead my family to be drawn to the things of God and to the people of God instead of the things of this world? How can I lead my family to working for the glory of God and not for the praise of men or how others make them feel or the, the finances that fill our wallets? How can I lead my family to be a witness to the world for Jesus Christ at all times? Like if I'm thinking about commitment, I'm not just thinking how do I lead my family to get to church for a couple of hours every Sunday or for three or four hours a week. That there's a deeper thing that commitment gets into that says, when I'm cheering my child on at their soccer game, am I, how can I be that living commitment even there? Because I want people to see Jesus. And so that's this picture that we're gonna be looking into today. If you have your Bible, first start in Hebrews is we're gonna start. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17 through 19, as it goes in. And, and let me read it to you, and then we'll unpack it, because I think this sets up why um, Genesis chapter 22 is just critical. It's pivotal for us. So this is what the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, who had received the promises, um, who was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac your offspring shall be named. In verse 19, now this is key. He, this would be uh, Jake, or Abraham, he considered that God was able even to raise him, Isaac, from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, if you kind of read through this, I was talking with Jana earlier in the office this week. Figuratively speaking is my, the way our, my Bible translates the word here. I don't know that that's set well, so it really made me dig into why this specific passage of Scripture was so important to our faith. Why it means something for us today. Why it wasn't just a historical account, but it actually meant something. And so if you go to verse 19, as, this, as the Bible and the Spirit is commending Abraham for his faith, verse 19 starts off and he says, For he considered God was able. 
The word considered used here is literally the word counted. And here, here's, here's why I like the picture of that. What scripture says is, by faith, Abraham lived out his commitment before God and among all those who are around him because he was counting on God to come through even in this unimaginable situation. He, was, he didn't just think, oh, God's worthy. He was counting on God. When you and I are thinking about, Lord, how do I stay firm to my commitment? In my fallen self, when I, when I turn the lens on me, when someone's done this, when it's hard, maybe when praise is washing my way, how do I stay committed to God? Well, I think this is where this all of a sudden has meaning. It says that, day, that Abraham counted on God. He couldn't do it. It wasn't about his skill set. It wasn't about his charisma. It wasn't about his financial prosperity. He didn't count on any of those things to live a life faithful to God that God would be delighted in. He counted on God in every situation, but most specifically in this situation. So I started to say that makes sense because I think when I start tripping myself up in commitment, I turn that mirror in on me. And I start to say, well, I'm not able to or I'm not who I am supposed to be or all of these things happening or people aren't responding to me or my family's not following me to church or we just start putting in here. And how good would it be to live in a commitment that counted on God that counted on God to be faithful no matter what you were up against instead of thinking that you should be able. Now, here's what I love about this. In verse 19, uh, my ESV says it this way once again. He said, he considered that God was even able to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Now, that word figuratively speaking, it's the word parable. Now, now catch this. It means a spiritual lesson. So why we read Hebrews before we start this story is this, because now it all makes sense. In Genesis chapter 22, we, we read a real life parable, a real life spiritual lesson with the point of showing us how important and how we can count on God to supply all that he has before us. And I thought, man, Lord, that's the lesson we need because we want to count on you, but we really like counting on our physical strength, our health, our finances. We really like counting on our mental capacities. We really like counting on our charisma. We really like counting on our friends. But God says, recorded in Hebrews, hundreds of years later, the lesson of Genesis 22 that you and I need to learn is how to really count on God. So if you have your Bible, turn to Genesis chapter 22 with me. That's where we'll start off as we look at Abraham's life and why this story is a historical account, but it also holds real meaning for you and me. We're going to read the first two verses of Genesis chapter 22. Uh, the Bible says it this way. <clears throat> After these things, God tested Abraham and said to Abraham, said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, the one, on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. 
Now, now I want you to check this out. If this is your first week with us, we've been following Abraham's life. God gave him a promise of prosperity, descendants numbering like the stars in the sky. And he says, but God, I don't have a son. God says, I'm going to give you a son. And then it kind of goes quiet for a while. Then Abraham and Sarai come up with a plan to have like a substitute son. It doesn't play well for the home team or anybody else. But then God says, I'll be faithful. And at a hundred years old, he has his first kiddo. And now God says, Abraham, I want you to take Isaac up to a mountain that I will show you. And I want you to offer him there. I want you to offer him there as a burnt offering. You know, I read this down, wrote this down. If I'm thinking about commitment and I'm thinking about what it means to really lead my family, I have to believe that something is true that God is only calling me to commit what I have been given. God is only calling me to commit to him what I have been given. Do you know, I do not have to, I don't feel like guilty when the president of the United States makes a decision or a statement, right? I'm not the president. We pray for him, but, but I don't. Do you, do you know when, when, when city leaders, when a boss does something, when someone who has tens of millions of dollars, when Elon Musk offers to buy Twitter instead of curing X, Y, or Z, I don't feel the burden of that because God hasn't given me those resources. You see, church, if you and I are gonna commit our families to God, then we have to realize that we are called to commit only what we have been given. And for Abraham, as we look at this story, this is huge. What he has been given is Isaac. Like, that's what he has been given, that, that's it. And God says, I want you to commit what you've been given to me. And in this moment, there's this, this rubbing, this testing, that starts to say, do I believe that God is only calling me to give him what I have been given to commit or not? Because it's easy to commit to God things I don't have, right? It's easy to commit to God, Lord, if you only made me rich, I would be so generous. Either A, the Lord knows you're a liar, right? Or, or B, he has a better plan for you. But are you willing to believe that only what he has given you, that's what you're called to commit? James 1.17 says it this way. Do you believe that every good and perfect gift that you have has been given to you by the Father from above? Do you believe that? And if so, when it comes to committing, what he's basically saying is, I only want you to commit to me what I gave you to begin with. You see, in 1 Chronicles, David says it this way in chapter 29, when he says, listen, who are we to give? All that we have is yours. Everything that we have to give came out of your pockets. Don't you, I love what David says here. Is God, this isn't some awesome act to be the most generous person in history. What I'm basically saying is, Lord, out of all of this you've given us, you have supplied the materials to prepare for a temple for you. And it's a big deal because you're awesome. Not because we're so generous back to you, because even in our abundant giving, everything that we're committing to you came from you. So it's not a pat on the back. It's a God, you're awesome. I mean, parents you know this I mean it's kind of funny 
Have you ever given a teenager a $20 bill because they need to go out with friends and they were going to like Chick-fil-A and all you had was a 20? Are you always excited when they give you your change back? Isn't that a great moment? Right? When you give them a 20 to go buy Chick-fil-A and they spend half of it, maybe they spend $15 of it because there's a milkshake they really wanted. And they come back and they give you your change back. I mean, we're a little excited, but if every time they did that, if they were like, aren't I the most incredible son? Like, you, mom, I'm more generous than anyone you know. Aren't I generous? I mean, I took your 20, I got Chick-fil-A, and I gave you back your 10. I'm wonderful. Right? I mean, the first time your child does it, it's kind of funny. But the 13th time, it's a little obnoxious, isn't it? I can only commit back to God what he's had. Now, now could you imagine if your child came home and you said, hey, where's my change? They're like, oh, I'm keeping that. You gave me that 20. (laughs) Are you like, oh, I totally understand it. That's wrong on me. I wanted you to do it to what you wanted. Was testing your heart, sweet one. I'll give you a 50 next week. That's not happening. You see, when we look at Scripture... We have to decide, do I believe God is calling me to commit to him only what he gave me to begin with? And I think that's why tithing is the small thing. Regardless of what we may have thought in our life, 10% of of what God has given you is, it's not a big thing. That's like giving your kid a 20 and just saying, as long as you bring me back $2, I'll let you steward the rest. Like every kid in America is making that deal. Amen? Like every kid in America. In fact, your really good kid says, I'll give you five back every week, Dad. And all they do is they go and buy French fries and pocket the rest. You, you follow me? See, when you and I mean it on small things like money, then we start to say, I really believe it. I can do it with big things like kids and families and friends and work and dreams and purpose and vision. But do we believe that we can only give to God what he gave us to begin with? Let's look at Abraham. Let's see if he believed that. Verses three and verse four of Genesis chapter 22. The Bible says it this way. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood from the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place from afar. I almost just stopped in verse three and it said, so Abraham rose. The rest of it is, gives us detail, I think, for the lesson. But do you wanna know if Abraham believed he could only commit to God what he had been given? Verse three says, God said it and he got up and rose. He got things ready, he acted, and he got prepared. You see, church, if, if you and I want to make a real commitment, the first step is an agreement. That's why during this family dedication time, this family commitment Sunday that we had last week, 
That's one of the reasons we say, if you commit to help these children see Jesus through your actions, if you commit to walk with these families so that they know what the body of Christ look like, would you raise your hand? That is not all that you have to do, but it's where you start. And sometimes I think starting is the hardest part of it. We, we say it all the time. If you've been around me for a week, you've heard it 10 times. Anytime you're, you're late to the game, the best time to have gotten in was before. First best time to plant an oak tree was 30 years ago. But the second best time is today. It, getting started, rising up. I don't care what your age, what your station of life is. That's the most important first step. Because I think a lot of times we make following God complex. It's not complex. It tests your faith. It's approving of your faith. Are you committed? Are you committing the things that God has given you to him? Do you believe what you're selling? I would liken it to if a man whose wife said, honey, would you clean out the garage? It's a mess. Now, this is a parable, a fable. That would not be anyone in this room. And the husband says, well, yes, honey but, honey, but that seems like such a waste just to clean that out and throw it away. So I thought I might have a garage sale instead. And, and so if I can do that, then, then that will be even better. The garage will be clean and we'll have some money. A week later, the wife comes back in and she says, well, I thought you were having a garage sale. And he says, well, I was gonna have a garage sale, but it's not that easy as it is just to clean out the garage. You see, because I thought about it this week, and this week I thought to have a garage sale, I need to move everything out of the garage and sweep it so it can be clean, and then I need to sort through everything in the garage and put them in its proper spots. And then after I put everything in its proper spots, I really need to go through, and I need to see what's working and what's not working so I know how to price it appropriately. And then after I see how that is, I need to go through and price it appropriately. But before I did that, I would need to go to the store and get labels and a magic marker in order to label everything. And then once I got it all labeled out, then I would need to watch the weather report. And once I watched the weather report, I could pick the right weekend to have it. And I would need to make sure that that weekend didn't conflict with any of our family businesses. So I just haven't started because it's a lot, right? Church, we, we can sound really spiritual about following Jesus and committing our lives to him. But Jesus says, follow me. He doesn't say, write a dissertation on following me. Abraham got up and he rose. So if you believe that everything that God is calling you to commit was given to you by him in the first place, stop fretting over yesterday or what the future may hold. Just get up and say, God, it starts right here and right now. Because if you don't do that, then the rest won't happen. You see, Abraham did do that. In verses uh, three through four, it kind of lays out, Abraham got up, he went on the mountains, he did all these things. In verses five, six, and seven, it says that he brought the donkey, he brought everything up. He had two men with him. He told them, wait at the bottom of the mountain. 
And he had the fire in one hand, he had wood in the other, and Isaac's walking up with him in the midst of all of these things. He's being faithful to just do one step at a time what God has had. Now we know from Hebrews that Abraham counted on God to make sure that the promise that Isaac in particular would be his heir through which all this would happen. He was counting on God, and if that even meant that God was gonna raise him from the dead, he didn't know how he was gonna do it, he just believed that God I'm counting on you because you started this game and I am going to walk it with you and in the midst of that this amazing conversation happens verse 7 chapter 22 and verse 8 and Isaac said to his father my father and Abraham said here I am my son and Isaac said behold the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so they both went together. This is that pivotal question. This is that pivotal moment. I, I don't know what the journey was like between Isaac and Abraham. I don't know what it went, but here we know that Abraham's carrying up the torch, carrying up the wood. He's got a knife in his belt, and his son says, Dad, where is the lamb for the offering? And what Abraham says here, church, is really, it's literally how we move in a commitment for God. When we talk about committing our family, committing ourselves to the Lord. He says this in, in verse uh, eight, God will provide for himself. Do you know the word here is Elohim Jireh? Elohim and then Jireh. We, we say often Jehovah Jireh, but it's, it's different and this matters. Elohim is not the personal name of God. Elohim is God Almighty. It's the God who's over all things. Elohim is, hey, listen, all the other gods, they're below this God. This is the, this is the big dog who comes to town. Elohim is the God that put it all together, who made it all. Ab Abraham is showing Isaac that the almighty, powerful God, who I get it, you may not know right now, who you may not know like I do, that almighty God, he is great enough, he is good enough, he is strong enough to take care of his needs. We're just gonna obey. And I started to think, church, isn't that where our commitment begins with those around us who may not know Jesus yet, who may not know the Lord yet? to make your life a testimony that says, God doesn't need my assistance, but he's worthy of my obedience. That's the God we're depending on today. The God who will provide for himself is able. He doesn't need me, but he is worthy of my obedience. And that's why we're here. So I may not have the exact answer to how, but I'll tell you the general answer is this incredible almighty God, the God that I serve, he is able. I wonder if his testimony was this God, this Elohim doesn't present a command. He doesn't present this calling and not see it through. 
he will show up and he will follow through. The God that you see me following that you have not known personally yet, he will show up. He will provide, he will follow through. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, Jesus says, I will be with you always, even to the end of the earth. Church, when we commit to the Lord, we are telling everybody, you may not know him, but let me tell you, he will never leave and he will never forsake me. So I can't tell you how, but I can tell you that my God will not fail. Paul writes about it in Philippians in two places. Philippians 4, 19, he says, God will supply the needs for those who are his. Philippians 1, 16 says, the one who started his good work will see it through to the end. Church, if you wanna know, how do I commit my family? How do I commit my relationships? How do I commit those around me to the Lord? Then it starts by saying, God, am I obeying you? Am I following you in such a way so that those around me who do not know you see that I serve the God who is able to take care of his promises. Now, church, this is tough because the world seems like it's falling apart. Health tends to fail. It is really easy to be negative, amen? Like no one needs to go to a class on how to kill a mood. It comes really naturally. But how can we, with a nobody likes me, everybody hates me, I'm gonna eat some worms attitude, proclaim to the world, I serve the God who will provide for his promises. I'm telling you, I think a joyless Christian shows a need for great maturity at best. But it's probably an oxymoron at worst. Do you want to know what commitment looks like? How do I lead my family? You show them that my God, I trust him. You show them that my God, we know him. You show them that I don't need to be the answer person. I don't need to be the hero. I don't need to be the all-star because my God, he'll, he'll prove himself. Church, if that is our testimony, if that is enough, I'm having problems. If that is enough today, that's the part we're in control of. God, by giving you back everything that you have given to me, by committing it to you in a way that says, my God is so great, my God is so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The world will see a different church. If that hasn't been your story, let it start today. The Bible says in the story here that Abraham and Isaac, after that conversation has, I don't know what happens, but Abraham eventually lays Isaac on the fire. He puts wood around him. He lays Isaac on it. And he picks up his knife as to slay his son in obedience to God. And the Bible says something pretty potent in verse 13. Excuse me. Uh, let's go back to verse 12. It won't be on your screen. 
He said, don't lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and he took the ram and he offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide as it is to this day on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. In the midst of this picture, Abraham is just doing what he's gonna do. God, I will commit to you everything you have given. He knows the goodness of God. We'll read later on in Genesis that child sacrifice is not something the Lord likes. In fact, it says he abhors it. But Abraham was just believing that Isaac was not going to walk off that mountain. He was not going to carry off his lifeless body. He believed wholeheartedly they were going to walk down one way, shape, or form because his God, even though Isaac may not know him, he will provide. Once the Lord speaks to Abraham, Isaac comes off the altar and they put this ram on and sacrifice this ram to glory of God. Abraham says something different. He says, Yahweh, Jireh. It's no longer Elohim. It's Yahweh. It's, it's, it's the personal God of our people. The God who created the world, absolutely. But the God of what will be Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. My God provided. Church, all of a sudden witnessing happens in an amazing way I think because Isaac has not just heard about the miracles of God in this moment he has caught a glimpse of God being amazing so when you think about committing your family to God I believe when we are living testimonies to our Lord and King that he is able, that we trust him, that he will provide for his promises. I believe wholeheartedly in those who live in your home, in the relationships in your life, there will be a day when God proves himself true. There, I believe there will be many days when God proves himself true. And all of a sudden, your conversation will change. In that moment, part of that commitment is no longer, this God is able, the almighty God. It's, son, did you see that? Did you see what the Lord did? Yahweh. Our Father in heaven did that because he's able to provide. There aren't many. This God that you have not seen act, I'm telling you, now I see the glimmer in your eye. He has acted. And why in the world would the almighty God make himself personal and known to us outside the reality that he loves us? And he desires that those who follow him to taste and see his goodness. I mean, Jesus would say these words. God so loved the world that he provided, he gave his only son so that all who would believe all who would commit themselves, all who would give back to God what he gave to them, life, 
all who would commit to him would never perish, but God would provide everlasting life. It's not complex, church. Do you believe that everything that you have came from the God of creation? Then rise up. And as you rise up, you proclaim a God above all things to all who are watching and you show them in your commitment. You show them when your health is failing. You show them when, when death is on your door. You show them when you lose your job. You show them when you didn't sleep well and you broke. And then when the day comes that the Holy Spirit says, look, they saw me. On that moment, you say, did you know that is my God providing? And his name is Jesus. Every day of your life, that's what commitment looks like when we commit our families or we commit to stand with others for Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. Lord, and I know that when I say that statement, I'm just giving you back what you gave to me because I don't have the capacity to, to love for real. And so, so I'm just giving you the love that you shared with me. But God, I know in this room that there are many, many regrets in our background. I know that there are many failures and foibles. But God, right now in this moment, through the spiritual lesson and the historical act of Abraham, you have caught our eye. So Lord, for those who have been following you but didn't know how to commit, Lord, in this time of reflection, Lord, would you allow them to rise up and say, God, I wanna follow you differently. Proclaiming, even to those who don't know who you are, that the almighty God of all things provides. But Lord, in this room, Lord, if there are people who have not known you, came in here, maybe as Isaac, hearing about you, familiar with you, maybe they grew up in church their whole life, but they have never caught a glimpse. They've never had their eyes opened to see the true God provide. Lord, in this moment, Lord, would you let the, 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 the scales fall from their eyes? Because in Jesus you provided and through the testimony of those who have been washed Lord in his blood and renewed by his spirit Father God you have shown that there is life you have shown that there is truth so Lord I pray that people wouldn't leave today without getting it and committing themselves to you. In Jesus' name.